Matthew chapter 8, please. Matthew chapter 8. There's two stories here in Matthew 8 that are back to back. I'm going to read you these two stories that start the chapter. So we're going to read from uh, verse number 1. And then we'll conclude at verse 13. If you can follow along in your Bibles as I read the two stories. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Speaking of Jesus. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick, of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heavenly Father, as we see these two healings, Father, the great miracles of our wonderful Savior, the healer. Thank you that those sitting here this morning that don't know Christ as their Savior can be cleansed and healed of sin this morning on their way to heaven. Jesus Christ not only heals the illnesses but he heals the sin-sick soul and brings new life to us. Thank you for it. Bless now this message to thy honor and thy glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. We see this leper as he comes to the Lord and he asks for a healing and he says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. A leprosy in the Old Testament, and some of these stories will resonate with you, but you're familiar with a couple of them perhaps that are no, most noteworthy. But there was lepers in the Bible as we see, but leprosy was seen as somebody that committed a sin. And then they were, they were a leper as a result of sin. We see that the Jewish people thought that and, and, and certainly was documented in some ways in the Old Testament. We know that leprosy is a sign of sin in the Bible. But the lepers uh, in the Old Testament, you remember Moses, his sister Miriam had spoken against Moses and complained and murmured to him. And the Lord struck her with leprosy as a result of that. 
Now, Moses begged for her, and she was, she was rapidly healed, and the leprosy went away. Then if you remember the story of Naaman, and he came uh, to Elisha the prophet for healing, and it, of course, came a distance. And, of course, you know the story how he dipped seven times in the water, and, and he came out healed. You remember, he goes back to Elisha, and he wants to give Elisha some reward and, and give him something as a result of this miraculous healing. And so Elisha rejects the gift. Remember, though, that Gehazi, his, Elisha's servant, went and followed him and caught Naaman on the trail and said, well, basically, he's changed his mind. He'd like to have a gift. And so Gehazi received a gift that Elisha had rejected. And you remember what happened to Gehazi? He was struck with leprosy as a result of what he had done. So there's, there's other places in the Old Testament that we see this example. So I'm, when I look at this passage, and he says to the Lord, if thou wilt. I don't know what was in this man's past at all. It may not have been sin in his life. I don't know. But he perhaps thought maybe, because in the Old Testament, it was a curse sometimes to the third and fourth generation for sins of the fathers. Fortunately, we don't face that in, our, in, in the New Testament, but the Old, Old Testament was, uh, those, those things could be passed on. So maybe he thought it was something that passed on, but he said, if thou wilt, if you're willing, Lord, thou canst, I can be healed. You can heal me. Thou canst heal me. And of course, we know that he reached out, and what did he do? He touched the leper. Oh, my, my, my. Nobody touched a leper. The lepers were outcast. They were perhaps the lowest of society and that nobody wanted them near them. Why? Because of the leprosy. They feared it so much. It was no cure to it. That's why it's compared to sin because there's no cure to it but Jesus Christ. And when we see the leprosy in this, we see the healer, Jesus Christ, that could overcome the leprosy. And so he reaches out and touches this man Can you imagine this man when Jesus reached out and touched him? Nobody touched him. Everybody feared him, but not the healer. He reaches out and touches him, and he's cured of this leprosy. And he says, go and show yourself to the priest, because the priest had to go through a certain, I would just call it a routine of things, to make sure the man's truly healed. And so he, of course... I'm sure obeys the Lord's command so he can again enter society by word of the priest that he's healed. We come to the centurion. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman. He's an army officer. He's a centurion. And we find this man is a, almost, if not, a direct opposite of the leper. He's a man of authority. He's a man of position. He's a man of power. It's believed that he was the man that would have been over, from the, from the Roman standpoint, a government would have been over Capernaum, which was where Christ lived. And so this was a powerful man. This was a man that was respected. And this is a man that certainly, um, as he says, I'm a man in authority and I have people under me. And I say this and they do it and, and, and so on. So this was who this man was. When I see the leper, I find that he comes to the Lord and the Bible says he worshiped him. And I can see the leper in my mind's eyes. He comes to the Lord and he worships. And I think we could all agree that he, he's bowing down at Jesus' feet. 
He's bowing to the Lord. He's worshiping him. Can I tell you that came very, very easy for the leper? Very easy. Humility was his life. Nobody touched him. Nobody wanted to be around him. To come and bow at the Lord's feet and worship him. And of course, bring his request. But I find that that was quite easy for the leper to humble himself before the Lord. He was humbled all of his life. His life was nothing but him being humiliated, perhaps. But he comes and he bows at the Savior's feet humbly. I find the centurion, in spite of his authority and who he was, but he comes to the Lord and he asks him if he could heal or would heal his servant. He doesn't come for himself. He doesn't come for a child. I don't believe there's anywhere else in the Bible where somebody, people came to Christ, but it was for their child. or it was, That was the situation. But in this case, he came for a servant of his that was back in his home. And he said it was just obviously a very, very grievous palsy that he had. And there was, what does he say? This, this, this centurion says to the Lord, I am not worthy for you to step foot in my house. He didn't say my servant's not worthy. He said, I'm not worthy to step foot, for you to step foot in my house. Just speak the word. What did he do? He humbled himself to the Lord. He said, oh, no, Lord, you don't, you don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of that. That's the honor's too great for you to enter my home. This is the centurion. I find in the leper a man that was very humble. The lowest, perhaps, in society was the leper. I can't imagine there was anybody in worse position than the leper. A horrible life, a horrible death. People put you on and separate you out to leper colonies and you weren't welcome anywhere. Humbling himself was his life. This man, the centurion, that was not his life. People respected him. They spoke well of him. They spoke up to him. That's who he was. But I find in this man that when he came to the Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of his pedigree, you might say, he comes to the Lord in humility and ask his request of the Lord. The Lord obviously is very taken with the fact that he said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And the Lord was so taken with that, he said, I haven't seen such great faith as he did in this man. It was noteworthy that he had such love and compassion even for his servant, but a man of humility, a man of stature. These two stories to me being back to back Obviously, there's no error or mistakes in the Bible, but I find that the very lowest came to Christ in humility and asked his request, and he was healed. And then I find the man that may be the most powerful man in the community in Capernaum, perhaps in authority. But what does he do? He gets his request answered. But how does he come? He comes in humility. From the lowest to the greatest, if you're going to come to Christ, you are going to come to him humbly. There's a reason for that. He is God. 
He is God, and you have to recognize who he is. He is the Son of God and God himself, the Trinity, three in one. He is the Christ. He has all power. He created the worlds, the world, the earth, and all that there is therein. Our stature when we come to the cross is all the same. You think, well, I'm a worse sinner than, the, than this, this great pedigree centurion. He's a powerful man. He's a good man. He's a compassionate man. He's a man that has concern even for his servant. And here I am. I'm a lowly, lowly leper, the worst there is. The song says the ground's level at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter where you're at today. You may think you're too low and you may think you're too high, but everyone will humble themselves if they're going to be saved. Christians, we're going to humble ourselves if we're going to get our prayers answered. These men had requests, and God answered their requests, but I find in both of them humility. One, it came rather easy. Another one recognized who he was speaking to. He was speaking to the very Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, and he realized, I'm not worthy for you to step foot in my house. That was not arrogance. That was admission. The distance between you and I is so great. I'm not worthy for you to step foot in my house. Humility preceded their answer and their healings. Two needy men both desired a miracle. And Jesus Christ gave it to them. Both came in need of Jesus' help. Both came in humility. Both came in faith, believing if, if you will, you, you can't make me whole. You can heal me. Both men understood it. Matthew chapter 7, I'll read these verses to you. 7 through 11 says this, Ask, and it shall be given, un, uh, given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 7, 8. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? James chapter 1 says, let him ask of God. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. The message this morning is the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. You know this is true, and we've seen it. We don't quite understand it. Isn't it amazing, though, how a new Christian can get prayers answered? Why? Their life was just transformed by the Master. Oh, they know he answers prayer. So they're more likely to come to the Lord in prayer. Why? Because they, they're fresh in the faith, and they, they recognize the transformation that God has done in their life, in their heart. And so they, they readily will come to the Lord and we will see that they get their prayer answers often. There is a certain expectation they have that God will answer their prayer. We also find that little children get their prayers answered very often. I've told you a story, but 
I'm sure I've told you this story before, but Alvin's, what's her name? What's his little daughter's name? Brooke. A little Brookie was at our house when she was a little Brookie. I think she's probably a teenager or more now. Probably married with five kids, but whatever. Uh, time flies, right, folks? But she's just staying at our house. It was in October. And uh, she wanted to see snow. She's from California. And she had never seen snow. And so that night she was like, well, I'm going to pray to Jesus and ask him to send snow. And uh, I'm trying to buffer this, right? It's October. Now, I mean, I have seen snow in October, but let's just face it, it's, it's not the norm. So anyway, and there was no forecast of snow. So I'm thinking, whoa. So I'm telling her, well, Brookie, we don't always have snow in October. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask Jesus for snow. Oh, we had snow. We had playing in the yard making snow angels the next morning. <laughs> the faith of a little child. You say, well, Pastor, you really believe that God answered a prayer? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I absolutely do believe that. Uh, you say, well, you're a little naive. Good. I believe God. Where are you sitting at today? I believe that God answered a prayer. And I was so delighted, but I'm thinking to myself, isn't this amazing how the faith of a little child, isn't that what we're called to? Is the faith of a little child? Why? Because they come without doubt. They come believing. We've so conditioned ourselves not to believe that we come with our prayers, but we don't come like these men came. These men came what? <laughs> they came believing. They came believing that he could do it if he would. And both, both men... He used those two words, I will. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today and you think you're a bad sinner, oh, he will save you. He will. And, and he will take great delight in it. He had no problem saying to the thief on the cross, today shall thou be with me in paradise. If you're crucified, mark it down, you're a bad sinner. <laughs> There's crucifixions were saved for the worst of the worst of the worst. They weren't the random thing that they punished somebody with. It was the worst. The sinless beside the sinner. Are we in belief in our prayer life and should be in faith believing? Are you coming to God today in humility? Is that how you come? Are you asking God earnestly? Are you asking in faith? Nothing wavering. I think it's over here in chapter 13 of Matthew. If, you, if you're open there, you can scoot over to it. Chapter 13, verse 57. You'll recognize the passage. I'm going to start reading at verse 54. Read through 58 of Matthew 13. Jesus Christ is in his hometown, verse 54, and when he, that being Jesus, was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? They are not marveling at what he is saying. 
they're questioning who does he think he is. We know his brothers. We know his sister. He's from our community. Is not this just the carpenter's son? Who is this that even has the, some way the audacity to speak to us as this? Are his, verse 56, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Verse 57, and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor. In other words, I'm not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. In other words, you might say they're budding as everywhere else. I can be honored, but not in my own country, not in my own house. A prophet is not honored in there. Verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I was born into a Christian home. My father was a pastor when I was born. He was a new pastor, but I was the only child of the four. I was the last one. And a pleasant surprise package to my parents, maybe. I grew up in Sunday school. I was literally not even a week old when I went to church for the first time. And I've been in church. I'm 65 years old. Christians were similar to these folks. We're very, very accustomed to Jesus. We've known about him all of our lives. We read these stories and yeah, we know them, right? We hear of Joan the whale. We, we know the stories. We're, we're very, very comfortable with Jesus and the word and the language and our vernacular that we use in church. And we get very comfortable with that. Our children are Wednesday night warriors in Sunday school and junior church. And all these things are very common to us. Very much as these people right here. Jesus was very common to them. That was the carpenter's son. We know his brother, know his sister. You know, what, all this stuff he's speaking, where is he getting this? Who does he think he is? What, what, what were they filled with? Unbelief. Why? Because he was just another guy to them. He just was another person, so to speak. And so they did not have faith that he was the Christ, the very Christ, that he was the son of God and that the miracles he was performing were because of who he was. They weren't tricks. They were miracles that the son of God alone could do. Can you imagine feeding 5,000? Just touching a leper and healing him? He was the very son of God. Have we gotten so used to the stories, so comfortable with the Bible and the stories of the Bible and praying and the word of God we hold in our hands? But are we coming to him in faith or are we coming to him having become so numb in some sense to prayer? See, well, pastor, I struggle to get my prayers answered. Are you coming in faith believing? Are you coming humbly? Church, are we getting our prayers answered? Do we pray with earnesty? 
Do we come to God legitimately believing that God is going to answer our prayers? Or do we come just to pray perfunctual prayers because it's devotion time? Or do you come with a sincere heart? You say, well, I've been praying for somebody for so long. It just, I, I've, lost, I've lost my faith. I've lost my confidence that God would save them. Don't lose that. These, these men were in hopeless situations, and we may have just passed it off as, hmm, he's not going to be healed. I've known other lepers. They weren't healed. I've known other, other men that had the palsy, and they weren't healed. These men came with faith. If thou, if thou wilt, thou canst. You can. If you will, you can heal me. You don't even need to go to my house. You speak the word. Your God, just speak the word. Hadn't seen such great faith in all of Israel. All those that should have had faith in him, that knew that he was coming, did not have faith, even down to his hometown and his own family, struggling with, was this the Christ? Do we get so caught up in being religious and doing all the right things, so to speak, and we come to church faithfully and we... We give and we do all the things, but are we earnestly coming in faith and asking for our prayers and in expectation that God will hear and answer? Or do we believe that we'll just pray, but we don't come with that expectation? Have we become like this crowd? And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Gospel Light Baptist Church, we need some mighty works our country's in desperate circumstances, beyond desperate. It's an, it's an embarrassment to the world. We're in trouble. Marion needs a church that gets prayers answered. All of Iowa needs prayers answered. Our govern, government needs prayers from God's people. Our governor's launched an aggressive agenda that would be very beneficial to churches. But are we going to earnestly pray and ask God to meet that? To, I mean, she, she stepped out believing that it could pass. Are we stepping out in faith and praying that God would answer the prayers? Well, how involved are we? Or do we just think, well, it's either going to work, they're going to pass, or they're not going to pass it. Are we doing our part in faith believing that God will answer? Or we just become numb to prayer numb that God answers it. And so when we do come to God, we say, well, he doesn't answer my prayers. Is it because of unbelief? Is it because we grow weary in praying? Christians, people are dying and really going to a place called hell. And they need our prayers. They need us to pray for them. You have loved ones that you know aren't saved. Are you earnestly praying for them in faith, believing that God will save them? You realize that anybody that would just say yes to Jesus will be saved. He'll, he'll take anybody. God is unwilling that any should perish. And he will save if they will just come and ask. You have heart, heart issues broken hearts are you earnestly praying for those that are breaking your heart 
Are you earnestly praying for the needs in your own family and in those that you love? Or have we grown numb like these people, not expecting? Therefore, God can do no great things. Do we want to see great miracles in Gospel Light Baptist Church? We'd all say yes. But do we earnestly come to God in humility, in faith, believing that he will answer? Or do we just have expectations that we just believe God may do it or he may not? We'll just, we'll just write it out. Why don't we pray it out and pray him in and see what God can do? God can do anything, but we have to come to him in sincerity. Two men here, one of the most powerful men in the community and one that was powerless. They both came humbly, in faith, believing, and both got their prayers answered. And he'll answer you, and he'll answer me. He is not limited in his power. He's, he's limited by our lack of faith. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. Let's stand together, please, this morning. The altar will be open if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Come immediately and see Pastor Nelson right here. You say, well, Pastor, I might be a little embarrassed. Come humbly to the Lord. He will save you. Make no bones about it. He will save you. Instruments will play. The invitation will be sung.